With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at First, first Listen. Listen. This season... We're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Do you love Selena? Like, really love? Whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stand the Queen of Tejano. And Stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon. More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts. Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. 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 All right, here we go from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. It is Cofield along with RJ Bell. Tell you, Steve, going to be a fast-paced, jam-packed hour. We're going to be looking at, you know, putting a bow on the second round of the NBA playoffs, but with a real focus on the series coming up in the West and the East and Game 1 coming up Sunday and Monday. Vegas lead. We got the NBA Conference Finals on tap Sunday and Monday, as RJ said. It's about what we expected before the season. Now, the way we got here was a bit unexpected. Well, let's make sure we give the Celtics credit. Now, in no way are we saying the Celtics don't have a chance in this series against the Cavs. They are the underdog. But if you look at the underdog right now, Cavs are minus 260. So you got to bet 260 to win 100 on the favorite, the Cavs. Celtics... Plus 220, 100 wins you 220. So, yeah, clear underdog. But the Celtics against Philadelphia were plus 415. Yes. Now, you liked them. You did a good job in the square chair. For once. Hey. I actually bet it. They talk about liking all these dogs and lottery tickets. Uh, I got it at plus 400. So, to me, that's the beauty of Vegas. Anyone can talk. But when you take off that rubber band, you're serious. But let's quantify that win. So if we go back to 2006, that season, there's been 77 underdogs, counting Boston, plus 400 or more. So big dogs, 77 of them. Boston was the sixth to win. So 71 times the favorite one, six times the underdog won. So this wasn't a, oh, that was unexpected. This was a true, wow, uh, once every two year 
in any round mm-hmm. type upset that the Celtics pulled off. And the reason I mentioned, hey, this is what we expected before the season when the Celtics had Kyrie Irving, uh, Celtics were the fourth choice for the title at 14 to 1. Rockets, believe it or not, were 10 to 1. That changed very quickly. Cleveland was five. That, remember when that rocketed up to 12 to 1 for the title? And Golden State was minus 160 before the season. And we'll get into the Golden State odds because I know you don't love the jump in the number, but we're basically back to where we were before the season, even a little mm. bit higher for the title. Well, before the season, I think the consensus number was more around Warriors minus 160, minus 170. Yeah. Right? And right now I'm seeing, what, 130? So, yeah, I mean, close. Yeah. And remember, and we've been saying this for a couple years, but it's still worth saying, in Michael Jordan's best year, meaning entering the season, the best odds the Bulls ever had with Jordan was about even money. Now we can say, well, you know, they had to play uh, a Utah team with two Hall of Famers, you know, or at least that was the expectations uh, in in those last couple titles when they did get near even money. So think about that. And to me, this is not about Michael versus LeBron in any way, because obviously LeBron isn't the one that's the big favorite here. But the idea that by most people's accounts, maybe not Colin Cowherd, but hey, Colin has a lot of right takes. The fact he's just so plain wrong about LeBron being better than Michael, we're going to excuse him on that one. But the fact of the matter is, the idea that the Warriors entered this season about minus 160, minus 170 against the field, and Michael in his very best year was even money, it really shows you how much love and, and, and value that Vegas places upon this historically good, in their mind, Golden State team. This is a tough one to answer. You must have been playing back then, right? 22 years ago, 24 years ago. I started betting when I was 14. Now listen, I'm not saying that's a bad thing. Some people might think, wait a minute, poor RJ, 14, struggling in Stoneville, Ohio, trying to fight his way out, cold soot in his eyes. I'm not going to, I'm not going to say that, but yes, I've been betting pretty much every day since 1984. I just, I wonder what you were thinking and betters were thinking back when the Bulls were only even money to win titles. And I wonder if the proliferation of betting, the higher volume, the embrace debate shows where everything is so polarized, you know, not polarized, but um, opposite ends of the spectrum. If Jordan's teams would have been built up to another level and the numbers would be different in today's. I actually think it's the opposite. Yeah. I should think people are more educated. Uh, You know, I hear that a lot. That's kind of a default of people who don't do a bunch of Vegas people. And I'm going to say Vegas in quotes because they don't usually live here, but they're representing themselves as having insight that that one of their default opinions is, Oh yeah. The, the, the better is so much smarter today than he was 20 years ago. I don't know. I think people are more susceptible to the mental roller coaster. Well, I really believe that. I think when it comes to how savvy the betters are, which is kind of different than do you buy into the narrative, mm-hmm. I think that's two conversations. Quickly, 10 seconds on the savviness of the betters. I think they know more. If you did like a quiz, I think they know more, the betters today, than 20 years ago. But just like we all know more about nutrition, like we all kind of understand white sugar is a bad thing, and you know we can go up and down the list. 
I, you know, when I go around, I don't see people losing a lot of weight. <laughs> so I think knowing it and having the discipline to do it are two different things. And I think that with betting, most people that are non-professionals, it's a recreational endeavor and they don't have the discipline to bet like a pro. I think we have less now than we had. And I think the Cavs are the perfect example. If we look at back on what the Cavs just went through after the Pacers series, they were rock bottom in terms of opinion in a lot of people's minds. They were plus 375 at that point. They were third choice going into the Eastern Conference semis to win the Eastern Conference. So the Cavs, let's be clear yes. here, were almost, and I bet if you shopped, you could have got about 4-1 to one just to win the East. I, I agree. That and now the, it's like, now they're back mental. Now everyone you know, is looking at the Cavaliers like, hey, they're back. Here's why I think that if somehow the media were the same back in Michael's day, let's say during the second three-peat run, I think let's use music as an analogy. Is back in the day, let's call it, I mean, it can be really any day pre-2000, but let's go back to the Beatles or whatever. There was enough bandwidth for a couple of bands, bandwidth bands, to be huge. And it was Rolling Stone. It was, you know, one or two other magazines. The Ed Sullivan Show. There was a couple of verticals, as they say today, outlets. Today, there's people on YouTube that have millions of followers that you've never heard of, I'm guessing. And I only have heard of because I try to follow that stuff because I do want to understand. I certainly am not following everybody. And then you look at something like eSports. I think if you literally asked everyone in the United States, what is eSports? I mean, does more than 50% know? Probably not. And it's something where some of these eSports people are making millions of, you know, 19-year-old kids from Korea or whatever, South Korea, are making millions of dollars in sponsorship money. There is, and to me, it's beautiful, this, that there's not the gatekeepers anymore. And we are so lucky with Straight Out of Vegas and pregame.com that we are the first and only Las Vegas odds and prediction show on one of the three major sports national networks. That we're very proud of. But if we didn't have this opportunity, the opportunity through a podcast, through other verticals to get the word out there, and we obviously do our podcast too, it doesn't matter how niche you are. It can be extreme political stuff. It can be... uh, I mean, there's podcasts out there, and it was one that I've wanted to start listening to because I'm such a fan of the show, is Friday Night Lights, one of the, the real great shows, in my opinion, ever. This is the game that people are going to talk about for years to come. There's a podcast that literally each week they take one episode at a time from number one, number two, etc. And just spend an hour talking about it. And this is a show that's been off the air for, what, almost 10 years. So I think that the idea that there's so much more media means they eventually run that that A storyline. Oh, look how good the Warriors are today. Look how good Michael was and the Bulls in the back in the day. The A storyline was pretty much all they had bandwidth for back in the day. Today... Everyone's getting bored with the A storyline pretty quick. Now it's how good is Houston. Now it's how good is Cleveland. 
So my sense is that the idea of a, a, a truly dominant narrative that points so much towards a favor, we're less susceptible to that today because there's so much more bandwidth to tell other stories. What, what do you think of that? I think it's a good debate. It's a it's a discussion because I, man, I think the lowest common denominator stuff that's out there fools a lot of people. It fools a lot of people. I think the podcast you mentioned, but but any more, I don't think that's the any ma- more think, than the past. Yes. Why? Just people are getting dumber. I think it just comes at you in waves, over and over and over again throughout the day. And you, I mean, you mentioned podcasts. People really have to. Podcasts are gigantic. But people have to search for that stuff. People have less time now than ever to go out and you know seek out podcasts. I think they they watch the uh, yeah, the but- main voices talking about the roller coaster stories like the Cavs and just how dominant GSW is. How else do you explain Golden State's insane odds jump, which we'll get to? Where should they be up eighty cents from where they were three weeks ago? Well, I, I think that we're all one of the mistakes people make is they tend to equate bad betting decisions with a lack of knowledge, with ignorance, or being uninformed. Oftentimes it's human nature. Something that's human nature is a recency bias. The idea that what we saw most recently matters so much more than what we saw prior to that. And the reality is... Imagine walking in the forest or in the woods or whatever, the jungle, and you hear a rattling and there might be a tiger around the bend. Well, if you think, well, the last 10 times, you know, you're not worried about recency. The last 10 times I heard that rattle, it was just birds. You walk around, gobble, gobble, gobble. That person's out of the bloodline, right? (laughs) Extinct. And then the next person that hears it and says, oh, I'm going to go wide around that bend. Well, they survive. Right? Maybe they have to run up a tree when the lion runs or the tiger runs after them. But the fact of the matter is, a lot of the problems that betters have are problem or mistakes are human nature. It really isn't about stupidity. And thinking about being informed, when we come back, we are going to break down who I like in the Cavs Boston series and game one of that same series. It's on the way, straight out of Vegas, Fox Sports Radio. Vegas! Straight out of Vegas, coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote. Steve Cofield, RJ Bell, as we're getting into the conference finals, Cavs odds are up against the Celtics. Both series are up, but Cavs are minus 260 against the Celtics, coming back at plus 220. And we'll get to uh, game one coming up on Sunday here in. Just a second. So what's your impression of the Cavaliers coming into this series based on what Cleveland did against the uh, Raptors? Here's the question I've been asking a bunch of experts, both batters and non-batters I respect in the NBA. How much of the Cavs sweep do we give credit to the Cavs and how much blame is on Toronto? And the numbers I've been hearing vary from 60% Blame on Toronto to 75%. I say 75. Blame on Toronto. So you mentioned in the first block how there's been a roller coaster of LeBron odds, as in pretty good entering the playoffs. Oh, as the seven-game series in round one happened, 
A lot of people got <laughs> nervous. Now, oh, after the sweep, oh, LeBron's back. The reason I think there's so much of a roller coaster is the season was not impressive by the Cavs. Now, LeBron's season was, but they made a trade, you know, past the halfway point. Everyone got excited about it. I was the skeptic. And, you know, it looks like in hindsight that trade is not going to be anything that helps them win a title. So, to me, I you have to give credit when a team wins a series. But I think Toronto's, the psychological side for them against LeBron was the bigger factor. Thus, I don't upgrade Cleveland as much as I would if they had beat even, you know, let's say the Sixers. If somehow they had played the Sixers in round two, I would have swept them. Now, Toronto was a much better team during the regular season than the Sixers. So why is that? Because obviously LeBron is in Toronto's head. No doubt. I mean, he's 12-2 and two against Toronto in the playoffs now and 53-12 and 12 overall. That's, that's a mental block on the Toronto side. I think so. And, and we debated this on our podcast. So every Wednesday in the AM, you just go to pregame.com, you can get this, or follow me on Twitter, at RJ in Vegas, and I tweet it out. We have the dream preview. Me, Fezzik, who'll be here tomorrow night on Straight Out of Vegas. Brad Powers, also here tomorrow night. Two wise guys. Two-hour show starting at 10 p.m. Pacific tomorrow night right here on Fox is in this week's podcast, Dream Preview, we were debating the idea of how could professional athletes be so mentally affected? You know, if you want to call it choking, you want to call it getting in their heads, you would think these guys are getting paid, you know, on the surface, these guys are getting paid millions of dollars. They should be able to overcome the idea that a certain player is going to scare them so much. They're going to play so much worse than their season level. But I tell you, we see it all the time. And to me, whenever I see a full season of stats and a history of playoff failures, so Toronto had a great season, number one seed. They had a history of playoff failures. Now, do I take the 82 games or I, do I take the much fewer playoff games? You know, how many games did you say <laughs> it was against LeBron? It's in, now 12 and 2. In the playoffs. Yeah, 2 and 12. So right. the Raptors So are do you 12. take four? And, and before this series, or, it would have been 10 games. Who are you asking? If I'm the GM of the Raptors? Well, apparently, apparently the GM of the Raptors, who Jerry thinks, you take the playoffs. And sometimes. Dwayne Casey's been fired. But entering this season or entering the last series, it was 10 games of history of a big thumbs down for mm-hmm. Toronto mm-hmm. against LeBron and the Cavs. And compared to 82 games of this team is the third best team in the league, Toronto, behind you know Houston and Golden State. The, I think what we figured out in a long discussion on the podcast is if it's in the players' heads, you've got to take it seriously. Now, sometimes there's trends players don't even know exist. And then you could say, well, if there's truth to the trend, as in there's a reason it's happening, it doesn't matter if the player knows it or not, it's going to happen. But 10 games, 12 games is never going to be enough to know there's truth in the trend. But the fact Toronto was thinking about it, and we mentioned it, they had two games against Cleveland, the Raptors did, late in the regular season, on the road at Cleveland, 
They could have beat them. It was close games, both of them. They didn't beat either, or they didn't win either time. And I think when they lost game one, it was like, wow, we lost those two games late in the season. We lost in the playoffs in years past. Here we go again. And because of that, I have not upgraded Cleveland as much as you might think. Yeah, one other thing with the Raptors, too. It looks like as they entered the playoffs, things weren't as harmonious as the 59s, uh, 59 wins would have told you. Because DeRozan and Casey got into it. And then when Casey was fired today, Kyle Lowry comes out, and the first thing he mentions is, yeah, we had times we didn't get along. I mean, I give him a lot of credit. You know, he got me to where I am. But he, had, he mentioned that almost in, immediately. So there was something going on with this team. And you pointed out that uh, that series against the Wizards, eh, not impressive. Yeah, so it was starting to come unravel. There, there might have been some signs of problems as they were entering the playoffs. Some, in addition to having this mental block against the Cavs. Sometimes a change, even if there's no rhyme or reason to it, you got to make a change so everyone else feels like there's a reset. right? And let's be candid. If you're a player X, Y, or Z on Toronto, you've got two choices. Choice number one is to say, it's our fault. It's my fault. Right. And choice number two is, it's somebody else's fault. Well, who else could it be? It's not the fans. It's the coach. So I think it's going to be, in a way, confirmation bias where they're going to say, oh, yeah, now our problems are behind us. Let's go into the offseason with the bricks off of our, our, you know, we're not carrying that load anymore because we got rid of the coach. Oh, by the way, coach of the year. Coach of the year. Do you think he should have been fired? He was 21-30 and in the playoffs. Last five years, minimum 48 wins in the regular season, two first-round exits, but 21-30. and in the playoffs. Now, this is going to sound paradoxical, but it's exactly what I feel. Yes, I would have fired him, and no, I don't think he deserved to be fired. But it's not about <laughs> it's not yeah. about that. Yeah. It's about what's best for the team. Right. I think it's best for Toronto because you've got to turn the page. Unless you think this coach is significantly better than the ne- next coach you can hire, the very act of the change is valuable, and I think Toronto did the right thing. Let's talk about the series and then game one. Is Brad Stevens worth points versus Ty Lue? Right now, in my opinion, and I have never said this before, Brad Stevens is the best coach in the NBA. Uh, now, Pop is obviously the guy that you would say is the defending champion, but I strongly believe, and we'll get into this I'm sure as the spring and summer progresses, who's to blame for what happened in San Antonio? Someone on Twitter, we were talking about that very question on the podcast this week, and someone on Twitter said, oh, you got Pop. Now, it was a Spurs fan. You got Pop all wrong. Is Leonard was in New York because that's where his rehab doctors are, and... You know, there's nothing funny going on. It's like, when's the last time the best player on a team has been injured and hasn't been on the sidelines for a playoff series? Can you, I mean, you've been doing sports radio. I don't remember it ever happening. I also think this is a totally different era in terms of player power. Okay, but why hasn't it happened with another player? This year, last year, the year before? There hasn't been some big quantum leap in the last couple years. Right? Maybe in the last seven or eight. I think players feel more powerful, and they've also awoken to the fact, hey, the Isaiah Thomas 
case is a great example. That has nothing to do with him not being on the sidelines or being on the bench. It, him playing or not playing is a debate. And we can say, well, the Spurs doctors versus his personal doctors. Okay, fine. Why? He's at a Yankees game or whatever in New York, but he can't come down for the playoffs? So if Pop's a great coach, it's his job to at least have the guy there. Or I think there's uncertainty. I think it could be all Kawhi. It could be all Pop. But odds are it's some combination of the two. Though I do think there's probably a little bit of analogy to what's going on with Belichick. The question is that old... Now, Bobby Knight was a certain type of coach. Very stern, very much my way or the highway. Colin always talks about, okay, he could he didn't evolve. And as the years went by and players didn't want to be treated like they were in a full metal jacket <laughs> <laughs> during training, then Knight became less effective. That's the theory. And I think there's some truth to it. You just said it. In the last five years, there's been another evolution away from that kind of drill sergeant coach. Now, Pop is entered the year as clearly the best coach in the NBA, so he had the equity in order to act a little more old school. But Kawhi, a guy I would have said, as an avid fan, quite frankly, of the Spurs for many years, and I was a Duncan guy more than anything, is I would have said Kawhi is as kind of, hey, show me what to do, coach. I'm going to do it. So something happened, and you can't say that Pop has no responsibility. And when we come back, we'll be talking about, in my opinion, how valuable Stevens is and how he'll actually become more valuable as the series progresses. But first, Kevin Figures with the latest. All right, guys, plenty of action in Major League Baseball on Friday night. The Dodgers lose yet again five of their last six as the Reds notch a 6-2 to two victory at Dodger Stadium. Matt Harvey in his Cincinnati debut goes four innings and gives up just a hit with 55 pitches in total. The Twins with a comeback 5-4 to four victory over the Angels in Anaheim. Minnesota scoring three runs in the ninth inning. Eddie Rosario with two home runs as the Twinkies have won six of their last seven. The St. Louis Cardinals with five home runs on the night. Tommy Pham had three hits including a home run himself they beat the Padres nine to five Nationals get seven innings pitch 11 strikeouts for Mike Scherzer he also had an RBI double to help his cause as the Nats beat the Diamondbacks three to one they have won five of their last six Brew Crew win a shootout with the Rockies 11 to 10 in 10 innings Rangers with a one nothing victory over the Astros Cole Hamill six innings pitch giving up a hit and having five strikeouts Online car shopping can be confusing, not anymore, with True Price from True Car. Now you can know the exact price you'll pay for your next car, so visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. In the NHL Eastern Conference Finals, Game 1 goes to the Capitals. They beat the Lightning 4-2 as Alex Ovechkin had a goal and an assist. Washington now 6-1 on the road so far this postseason. And in golf, second round at the Players' Championship, Webb Simpson tops the leaderboard at 15-under. He was 9-under in the second round. He has a five-shot lead over Carl Schwartzel and Danny Cantlay. Tiger Woods, by the way, 1-under, tied for 68th. Back to straight out of Vegas. All right, Kevin. So we're breaking down the Eastern Conference Finals. Cavaliers favored 260, minus 260. Celtics back at 220. I am betting the Celtics. I actually found the Celtics at plus 250. And we were discussing Brad Stevens versus Ty Lue. And if a coach can actually make a difference of a point or two throughout the series. Your thoughts on Stevens? So the theory is a point 
or two per game. And I think that's absolutely the case with Stevens. I really? Mean, well, who in the right if you let me ask you this. If you just looked at the roster. <laughs> I mean, what's the odds in this series? I mean, Boston's not a playoff team. If you look at the healthy roster right now. Now listen, Tatum's been surging. But I think, you know, so there's something and I don't think it's all X's and O's. I mean, obviously Stevens is great at that. And that's the reason, actually, that as a series progresses, remember, during the NBA regular season, the teams hardly practice. I mean, they don't have, and again, there's some and walkthroughs, but they they don't have the time. They don't have the energy. It's hard to do anything new during the season. So in a weird way, the greatness of the coach is more about motivation, keeping the team uh uh, together, you know, not how, you know. If anything, what's happening with Kawhi, avoiding that kind of thing, and obviously Stevens in this, with the Celtics does a great job of that. But now in a seven game series, you not only have the time between the games, you're playing the exact same team. So what happens is, and imagine like the way in like kung fu movies or even modern action movies, where two guys that know you know some type of martial arts are going at it. So the first guy would try to go right, 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 and they block it, block it, block it. And then the question is, okay, game one, they were trying to do X on offense. Now we we did Y, and oh, Y didn't work. So let's do something else in game two. Now if that works, what does the offense do differently? It's a chess game. And superior coaching matters so much more in the playoffs, in the NBA, and it matters so much more as the series progresses, and that's why, and Fezzik is the one who quantified this for me. If you look at it historically over a seven-game series, the over-under in the games, so the total points expected, over-under, goes down about a point to a point and a half each game. Now, it doesn't do that exactly every game, but you add it all up, is you're looking at like a seven-point lower or more total in Game 7 than in Game 1. Why is that? It's because it's so hard to have a third and fourth offensive option. Once a good coach stops the first one, the second one, the third one, oftentimes teams run out of them. And lastly, that's why. And there's no thing you can do out there, guys, that will blow your mind, and you probably have a vague sense of this right now. There's nothing you can do that will blow your mind, like go through the NBA champions from 1980 onward, Bird and Magic's rookie year, and say who was the best player on the championship team and where did he rank in the league that year. And over 85% of the years, and some of this is debatable, the best player on the winning team is one of the three best players in the NBA. Think about it. Every time Michael won, Hakeem, when uh, Duncan, Kobe, Shaq were probably both in the top three, or at least one of them were each year. Obviously, Golden State. Obviously, LeBron. It is so rare. We can go back and debate the Spurs this last time. Kawhi, was he top three? He was top five for sure. We can debate that Pistons team. But... Isaiah, I mean, the, obviously Bird and Magic. 
Why why is it so important to have a superstar? Because come game six and seven is when the coaches have done everything. Are you that next level, that Pantheon player, that no matter what adjustments are made, you cannot be stopped? So I'm really bucking history by going with the Celtics. Counting on, you know, a Rozier, a Tatum, a healthy Jalen Brown, a Horford to be the guy when they need the guy. Well, listen, this is something I think that we all, the bet, can relate to. If all my bets were safe, there just wouldn't be any juice. If all my bets were safe, there wouldn't be any juice. So, yes, I don't like, I don't love your bet, but you're getting a nice payoff. But one last thing I think that would go against your bet, since LeBron became a champion, so he could look in the mirror and go, I am a champion. He's lost three series. And it's been against Golden State twice and that Spurs team once. I would make the case all three of those teams were great teams. We can debate where Kawhi was that year, four years ago. But you think about how that team was playing together. That that team dominated that Heat team. It wasn't even a close series. So LeBron only loses when he goes into dad mode, as I call it. The games, you know, he did it against the Pacers a couple times. Series is on the line. I'm taking over. Pacers couldn't stand up to that. I think the only team that can stand up to LeBron in that dad mode are great teams. And I think the case can be made Golden State or Houston this year is a great team. And thus, I think the Cavs, if they do make the finals, are going to be big. I know they're going to be big, big underdogs, and I think rightfully so. I don't think the Celtics are even close to a great team. Thus, for the series, I'm not anxious to take it, but in certain games, when LeBron's motivation is questionable, I think any time, this would be my advice in this series, any time you could make a logical or reasonable case that LeBron will not be 100% motivated. Let's say they win game one in Boston. Game two, you're going to say, hey, maybe he's going to be coming full 100%, maybe not. I think that Boston, every game that there's questionable motivation for the Cavs and pass every other game, and I think you have a good chance to be profitable. We're in the Geico Studios. What does it mean when Geico says just 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance? It probably means that you should have gone to Geico 15 minutes ago. All right, game one. Is it a stay away for you? Cavs on the road, minus one and a half. Now, I think the Cavs are motivated, so I'm inclined to stay away. I will quickly say the following. This season, the Celtics have been home underdogs, and they are one-and-a-half-point home underdogs here, nine times, counting the playoffs. 9-0 and against the spread. That's perfect. 9-0. and Eight times they won the game outright. So this is a team good at home, good crowd. But LeBron has played well over the years in Boston. So I'm staying away, and if the Cavs win game one, I'll be playing the Celtics in game two. That's RJ Bell. I'm Steve Cofield. It's straight out of Vegas. Let's get to the West. So before the Western Conference playoffs began, you could get the Warriors to win the West at about even money. The Rockets were about plus 115. We've gone through so two, very close. We've gone through two rounds. Now the Warriors are minus 180 in this series, and the Rockets are plus 165. You think the jump has been... Way too much. 80 cents? Based on what? To me, it's not about the 80 cents. It's about the difference between Houston and Golden State. 
is I think obviously you win two series, even though you're favored in both, your odds improve. But what in the heck has Golden State done that's more impressive than what Houston has done in the playoffs? They're both eight and two. So they both they won both series four to one in every, you know, four one, four one, four one, four one. Now I agree with the following. When Curry was out, the way Golden State played exceeded my expectations. So if somehow we're handicapping how good Golden State is without Curry, I would have upgraded him significantly. But Curry's here. And he's played fine since he's come back. But I tell you this, history tells you with Curry's legs, when he gets injured, that next injury isn't so far away because there tends to be compensation, one leg or the other, or, or knee causes problems with the ankle on the same leg, whatever it is. I think there's a real injury risk risk to Curry. I still don't know if he's 100%. And Houston's played just as well as Golden State. So to me, I think, and I'm going to tell you after the break, and it is going to be my best bet, I think there's a very specific way that we can play against Golden State and on Houston and take maximum advantage of the value that's being offered because of this adjustment, this upgrade of Golden State that I think is unwarranted. It's coming up on Straight Out of Vegas, Fox Sports Radio. Straight out of Vegas! Straight Out of Vegas brought to you by Granger, the products and services you need when you need them. Granger's got your back. Granger, for the ones who get it done, Steve Cofield, RJ Bell. So we wrap it up with a best bet here inside of five minutes. Best bet down the home stretch, baby. I got a question for you, Cofield. Square chair question. If you rank the two best Golden State players, and I'm guessing you're going to say Durant and Curry, understanding Curry's current health, imperfect, where do those two rank in the NBA, as in Durant's the best, second best, third best, Curry's the fifth best, sixth best, etc., and then the same thing with Harden and CP3. Give me your answers. I'll go Durant, two, Curry, five. All right, so Durant behind only LeBron, I'm guessing? Correct. All right, two and five. So you're saying Curry at his current health is the fifth best player in the NBA? Yes. Wow, that's optimistic. A little high, right? So, well, in my <laughs> opinion. In my he looked opinion. pretty damn good. In the, he's lacked a little bit of his normal burst, but he was pretty damn good in this last series. Now, listen. You have, you know, there's vanilla and chocolate. Some people would say, hey, Cofield every, has every right to disagree with RJ. Now, other people might say. And you're in no position to challenge my expertise. But I'll defer. <laughs> now, <laughs> let's do the same thing for the Rockets. I have Harden 3, CP3, 9. So 12 versus 7. Okay. Boy. C- By the way, I also have Clay Thompson, even though his numbers are down this year, as 7. You are such a contrarian. I mean, you really, really like to I, just hot take. You are a hot take, hot shot. Why? Clay Thompson too high? Seven. Yes. Boy, I when like Clay to go. Th- Tom- when Clay Thompson goes and has his own team, he is going to be considered a top four or five guy. Defense counts. Or, or the opposite. It could be like the old, uh, what was his name? Brian Armstrong from the Bulls. When you get open threes because you got the worst BJ, guy. BJ, yeah. BJ, BJ yeah. When you got the worst yeah. guy guarding you, <laughs> could be that too. All right. Well, I promise the best bet. You think we should do it? Yes. You sure? Yes. 
<laughs> what are we looking at for your best bet? I'm assuming it's from this Rockets Golden State uh, Golden State series. Uh, Rockets are the dog in the series at plus one sixty five, and the Warriors are favored at minus one eighty. Best bet coming up. I'm taking the Rockets in the series. And if you shop around, what's the best number you've seen? I'm seeing plus 160, pretty available. So that means 100 wins you 160. And here's the logic. Home court for Houston. The only way this line makes sense is if you believe that you just discount Golden State's regular season which was inferior, clearly, to Houston's. Because how else can you say Golden State's the better team? You have to discount the regular season and say, hey, they coasted, so forget all about that. And oh, by the way, when Golden State decides they do want to ramp it up, which is obviously going to be the case in this series, they're as good as last year's team. That's the only way this makes sense, even though they're thinner, even though Curry's hurt, or I think uncertain health. Okay, let's say you even believe that. You also got to believe that Houston, when they had their big three, including their center, and they were playing competitive games, all law, they didn't have the number one seed locked up and they weren't coasting at the you know last five, seven games of the year. And I hear different numbers on this, but it's in the 50 and four range. Think about that. 50 winners and four losers. Now, ask yourself this question. They have all three of their players healthy, and their motivation is there. So Golden State, even last year, wasn't better than 50-4 and in any given run. So Houston could be as good as Golden State was last year. So the second thing you got to believe to think this line is right, and Houston should be this big of a dog with home court, is that because of the past playoff struggles of Houston, it's going to repeat itself. Unless that's the case, unless Golden State is as good as last year, and Houston you can't trust because of the prior playoffs, there's huge value on Houston. I don't believe that both of those are true. Best bet, Houston plus 160 in the series. Rapidly. Am I dumb if I want to take the Rockets and say six with an exact number at 800? Yeah, because usually the juice on that's too much. We're back tomorrow, 10 o'clock Pacific. Up next, Jonas Knox, straight out of Vegas, Fox Sports Radio. Straight out of Vegas! I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, love at first, first listen. listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Do you love Selena? Like, really love? Whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stand the Queen of Tejano. And Stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon. 
More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast.